Hey guys, I'm really excited to bring you today an interview with Elliot Jackson, uh, who if you listen to the second episode of my show, I mentioned is my absolute favorite downhill rider. However, before then, I wanted to talk a little bit about a big loss that happened this week in the mountain biking world. Steve Smith, who was 26 years old, died in a motorcycle accident on Tuesday, May 10th. And I feel like it's worthwhile to talk a little bit about his impact on how I watched mountain biking and really just give an in-memoriam for him. Uh, I feel like this was a really big loss and you could see it in the outpouring of love and emotion that came from the, the biking world about him. So bear with me for a few minutes uh, while I talk about Steve Smith. So I think like many people, my first introduction to Steve Smith was in the Collective Seasons movie. That's definitely a big motivation, trying to make the career of mountain biking, not, not having to work, just get to ride my bike as a job. Makes me want to push harder. It'd be cool to have somebody from Canada be in the top with Sam Hill and Steve Pete. At the time, he rode for Cove Bikes, and he was getting progressively better results, and eventually he was signed by the Da Vinci World Racing Team. It seems like everyone who rode with him loved his style, loved his speed, and just liked spending time with him. It is so sick watching Steve ride. There isn't really anyone else like him that I've watched ride a bike that is just so in control over the fastest stuff, and it is blowing all of our minds. By all accounts, he was a genuinely great guy, and if I may say so, a fast motherfucker as well. He'll shred the trails, he'll shred whatever like obstacles we put together, and uh, he's a fun person to ride with. But with Steve, he's just pretty wild, you know, he's always going flat out, he's always charging. After inching up in the standings year after year, in 2013, he finally broke it big. Yeah, oh, oh look at Steven, he's looking quick, he'll want this so bad. As I was saying, he's had a second, a third and a fourth so far this year, wanting to step it up, but in such conditions, it looks like he's actually carrying great speed. Yeah. That year, he won three of the mountain biking World Cup races. Two jumps away from maybe taking the win here. What's he going to do? He's panning it out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> time, Smith. Does it by nearly a second! And uh, won the overall of the Downhill World Cup. Look at the time! 1.3! Stevie Smith is your 2013 UCI Mountain Bike World Champion! And in doing so, he makes history the first Canadian ever to win the overall title. And I remember being in the bike shop across the street from my apartment at the time riders in Toronto and we were sitting there me and the two owners of the shop who were buddies of mine and fixated on that race and absolutely yelling and screaming for Steve Smith we wanted nothing more than to see him win and we definitely cracked a few beers uh, when he won that race unfortunately he spent the next couple of years with injury problems and so we never 
really got to see him at his peak again. But it looked like this season he was getting back up there and that he was going to he was going to make it uh, back to the the top of the podium again. And so when this news hit on Tuesday, it was just an utter shock. I didn't personally know Steve Smith, but I felt like I knew him. We were the same age and my passion for the downhill world cup kind of followed his career path as he blew up in the in the mountain biking world so in part i have him to thank for the fact that i'm such a big fan of world cup downhill racing now so those are my thoughts on steve smith i just thought i would get those out and now here's my interview with elliot jackson So I'm really stoked today to have on Elliot Jackson, who's a pro World Cup downhill rider. He rides for the Pivot Factory racing team, and he uh, started racing professionally in 2010. Uh, He retired for a season in 2013, but came back a year later uh, more fit and looking for good results. Uh, He did get a second at Crankworks last year. And he just got his first top 20 World Cup finish at Cairns in Australia. We talked about his Cairns result, how he trains, uh, vocal cord dysfunction that kept him out of racing, and uh, what the offseason looks like for him. So here is my interview with Elliot Jackson. Hello, Elliot. Hey, how are you? I'm pretty good, man. Pretty good. How about you? I'm I'm really good, yeah. So you're uh you're uh now a top fifteen finisher <laughs> at a at a World Cup. How does that feel? Uh, it feels it feels really 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 good. Um, just I I kind of put up an Instagram post and I was like I'm proud of myself for so many different reasons. Um, I think that's that kind of says like what I felt about it. Like just you know getting a qualifier and backing that up, you know, coming back from an injury, um, like proving to myself that I could get a full run in, um, you know, just so many different things that had to come together um, to make that happen. And it all worked out. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing because for me, I mean, we don't really, on the um, live cast, they didn't show your your run. So I, I was watching and... They show the the start list, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, and here's uh, who's gone so far." I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how everyone was for sure. <laughs> What's he doing up there? Um, but yeah, like I mean, I I've mentioned this in uh, in a previous podcast, but I've been kind of following your your career, and you've been basically my favorite rider on the on the circuit for. <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> yeah, so much. Uh, definitely. I mean, it's. For me, you know, you can obviously. I, I hope everyone does well, and you know, but you gotta, you know, when you you root, if you root for Aaron Gwynn, like, okay, great, you know, he's gonna win, <laughs> he's gonna win three races a year, he's gonna be competitive in the overall every year. Uh-huh. Like, it's 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 not that um, that thrilling. Yeah, you you like the drama. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's the same way that I mean, I don't know if you. Um, 
watch basketball at all, but I'm a, I'm a big Golden State Warriors fan, and even okay, you know they're they're a great team, and even in games where um, it's clear that they're gonna win, I'm like I'm on the edge of my seat the whole time. Like it's more fun <laughs> when it's exciting when you have something that you know you're um, you're not sure if it's gonna happen. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But but now now we're a little bit more sure. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Hopefully, I still I still have a lot of work to do, but it's good to it's good to get up there. Yeah. Um, so, does this? I mean, do, do you get like a sense of relief after that, or like how does it? You know, do you feel like all right? So this is the proof that the work that I've done is is coming through. Um. Yeah, I think this year it's really been. Um, The, like getting that result in Australia was more a proof of like what I already knew and like what I needed to work on more um, because I I think it's hard to not only see like what you're bad at but also know like what you're really good at so um, for me it was kind of like okay this year like I really recognize like the the crankworks results last year were like man why like how can I get second here and then go to a world cup and like not beat these people that I beat here or whatever. It's not like I, like I had a really great run there, but, um, you know, it wasn't like mind blowing, like (laughs) run of my life or whatever, you know? And then like same with this year, like I got seventh, but like made some mistakes and definitely like didn't have that great of a run, but still, you know, was competitive. Um, and so I kind of like sat back and was like, like, what is this? You know, like, why am I able to do so good here and um, not not so good at the World Cups? And I think uh, I really just had to figure out like what I was really good at, like the crankworks, and um, you know I've gotten like really good splits over the years, like top ten splits and stuff. And it's always on tracks where you're trying to gain speed the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of pumping, they're really fast. You know, like not much technical stuff, ruts and berms and stuff like that. Um, like top of Hafiel, um, top of Mount Saint Anne, um, the Crankworks tracks and stuff like that. So, like, I had to realize, like, okay, you're you're really good at this kind of stuff, um, and you're like competitive, like you're a top ten guy in the world at this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, but there's other things that you're not good at, like um, really technical stuff, and when it gets really steep. Um, when it's when you're trying to slow down the whole time, <laughs> like uh, like Val de Sol or even Lords, like the a lot of the stuff at Lords, like you really have to pin it over really gnarly stuff, um, and that's not really <laughs> I'm not really that good at that. <laughs> um, and so like when I would practice like over the years, like I would practice everything equally, you know, like you see a split time and you're like, okay, like I was 20th here or whatever, but you could have been really fast. You could have been really fast around the whole, around like throughout that whole split, but 10 sec or like 10 feet of track, you could have lost two seconds. Um, and so that's like what you have to realize. And so like, if you're practicing like everything equally, you end up practicing stuff um, 
that you're already good at and so you're getting diminishing returns you know it's a lot harder to make um a 10 percent gain on something that you're already like you know top 10 at rather than saying like okay i'm like 50th at this um <laughs> so making a 10 percent gain there is going to be a lot easier and like you know you only have a finite amount of time to make these gains um so like really pinpointing what you're good at and what you're bad at and stuff like that and that's kind of where i was at coming into australia like okay i know like this kind of track is going to suit me um the like my fitness needs work and my like technical skills need work but everything else i'm feeling like really comfortable on um and it kind of just reinforced it like obviously it's it's amazing but like it's kind of like okay like what i'm doing is like i'm on the right track and um it's not to say like i think last year when i got that result at crankworks it was like okay cool like here we go top fives all year <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> And um, this year, it's kind of like, okay, like, maybe I, I would like to do good at Fort William. Um, like, that has some stuff I'm good at, some stuff I'm bad at. Um, but just kind of, like, keeping improving um, is kind of... So it gives me a lot of confidence knowing, not that I got the result, but that I'm on the right track, I would think. Right. And so what, what to you would be, like, um, what's your kind of realistic goal and what's your like you know dream goal for this season then um i don't know i think like i've kind of gotten away from the the results thing like obviously like a top 20 top 20 is kind of anything in the top 20 is great for me um but like i wouldn't be like at fort william i wouldn't be disappointed with like you know a top 30 there or whatever or like just seeing improvements and like seeing um, if, if I'm like riding well, then that's the most important thing. But I think like, it's kind of just like, obviously I want to get, I think top 20 is like the whole year would be the kind of goal, but it's kind of just like, okay, like top, I want to get a top 20 and then a top 15 and then a top 10 and then a top five. And it's like kind of just these landmarks right. that you want to hit. Um, and so this year, like if I don't hit that mark at Fort William or at a, at a different track or whatever, like it's not the end of the world. I think like I was saying, it's more about like kind of reassessing and saying like, okay, did I have some deficiencies here that I need to fix or like, or is it something that caught me off guard or whatever? Like, am I worse at this than I thought or, you know, better than this? Um, so that's the kind of things I'm looking at more so. And do you think that you have like a pretty good ability to self-assess or is that where like having a teammates and a coach and kind of, do you, do you guys look at that? Do you look at that with other people uh, and rely on them to be able to tell you a little bit like, all right, Elliot, you got to work on, you know, this specific type of technical writing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think that's kind of, um, I'm a pretty like analytical person. So, like, somebody like Bernard is the totally, like, complete opposite of me. (laughs) Like, he would never be like, okay, yeah, I was looking at this section, like, blah, blah. Like, I think subconsciously, like, he he does that. But, like, he just goes out and rides, you know, and is, like, an amazing rider. um, And he can do things that are just incredible, you know. But for me, it really, like, helps me to break things down. So, like, with the riding, it's more, like, self-assessing. Um, and I've gotten like, I've gotten a lot better at it over the years. 
Um, with the training, I think a lot of that is my trainer, uh, Jared Kolick. He's like really good, and that's kind of what our training program is. It's just finding where I'm weak or like bad, <laughs> and just <laughs> doing that and just pounding that kind of stuff. Uh, just repetition and repetition and repetition. Yeah, yeah. As soon as like I get good at something, it's like, okay, like we're not going to do that anymore. We're just going to maintain that and we're going to do something that you're terrible at now. <laughs> and um, so you retired from racing for a year and a half, two years, right? A year, uh, 2013. Right. And um, so how did did this realization about fitness and your ability to – uh, kind of ride different sections. Did that come during that time or has this come since you've come back? Um, I think it's just like a learning process. Um, so I, like my first year racing was 2010. And um, I, when I went to Val de Sol, it was, it was my first World Cup and when I was there, I was thinking about it the other day and like, I didn't even know what spikes were like spike tires. <laughs> like somebody said that to me and I thought that they were talking about screwing like the little metal things and <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I don't have any of those, man. Like, is that what you guys run? Like, I, I guess like, you, you know, so it's just like, I have, I've been doing it. Like I've been doing it a while now, but I think like, it's just, there's so much to learn. And, um, like with the fitness thing, um, I started working with Jarrett in 2011 when I got on Yeti because I went to, I went to Port Angeles and I remember I was halfway down my race run and I was like, man, I am, I'm going to fall because I can't even hold on. Like I'm a passenger. Like if I make it down this run, like it'll be a miracle because I'm so tired. Wow. And, <laughs> and I think it was because like I, I grew up racing motocross, but I stopped when I was 15 and Amateur races are five laps, and so we would just ride, like we would ride like six days a week or whatever, and um, and that was kind of that. And so I, when I stopped racing motocross, I didn't really do anything for like five years, and maybe not quite that long, like four years. I was just like went to school, like rode some dirt jumps and stuff every now and then, but like I didn't. I didn't have like any fitness, like any base fitness. I wasn't like riding my bike as a kid, like going out and doing trail rides or like riding through the woods or anything. So it was really like started at ground zero um, in every way when I started riding. And I think it's just been like such a process. Like every year there's kind of been a theme of like learning Um and, you know, you think you're done and then like, you're like, oh, actually, I don't really know anything about this. And, <laughs> that's the start. and so it's every year you're just learning and, and improving and stuff. Uh, one thing you talked about before you are like, you know, when you announced that you were, you were uh, going to stop racing was that, uh, was asthma. And mm -hmm. as somebody who suffered from asthma all my life, uh, I definitely know that it's a pain in the well pain in the chest but pain in the ass as well <laughs> yeah. um but i'm wondering because i know that personally i've definitely used that as an excuse not to push harder at mm -hmm. things do you think you were doing that or uh, i mean was i think it yeah definitely so mine is actually so yeah like 
those two years that I raced, um, like I kept coughing and stuff like that. Like the Red Bull did a video 2014 and there's like a clip of me at Leo getting like coughing and stuff like that. So after all the races I would cough and couldn't like breathe or anything. And so I was going to all these doctors, um, 2011 and 12, I went to all these specialists and they were all like, Oh, you have exercise induced asthma. Um, blah, blah, blah. And they gave me all the inhalers and everything, but nothing was working. Um, and it was just, it was really demoralizing, like, and like mentally it was hard. Like you were saying, like you're at the top of the track and you're like, okay, so the harder I go in this race run, the worse it's going to be when I get down to the bottom. And so you're kind of like thinking that like throughout the run and like you're feeling, these feelings like come up, you feel your, your throat start to close up and stuff like that in the run. And, um, and so you're like, Oh, like maybe I should back it down or whatever. And so I kind of just got frustrated with that and having to deal with that because it didn't seem like anyone else was having to deal with that, <laughs> you know, like being at such a disadvantage. Um, like you're, yeah, you're, you're already starting with, uh, from behind. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, I, I was like, okay, I'm done. Like, I'm not having fun with this. And um, when I was taking that year off, I got a bunch of messages on Facebook and stuff. And one of them was from Amanda Cordell. And she was saying that it could be this thing called vocal cord dysfunction. And I kind of checked that out a little bit. But most of the stuff I saw was like, okay, well, uh, you should do these breathing techniques and like stuff like that. And I was like, well, you know, if I'm in the middle of a race run, it's not like I can woosa. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I didn't really pay too much attention to it. But uh, when I started racing again, because so Bernard was the team manager of the pivot team. Um, his first year was 2013 and he had like asked me to ride for him. And I was like, okay, no, like you should give it to someone who's going to use it and like deserves it and like wants a chance and stuff. And so I didn't take it in 2013. And then um, 2014, he asked me again. He was like, okay, that didn't work out. Like <laughs> we got someone, but it didn't work out. So do you want to ride for us again? And I was like, yeah, like I, I'll ride, but like there can't be any expectations. Like maybe I'll qualify for a World Cup. Maybe I won't. Like, I don't want any pressure. I just want to come and, like, travel and have fun. And, you know, I'll do photos and videos and all that kind of stuff and do what I normally do with all the social media and everything. But, like, I don't want it to be like, oh, Elliot, you know, we expected a little bit more from you, like, blah, blah, blah. So that was kind of how, like, me coming back racing um, came together and so I thought, you know, let me stay proactive with this. Like, let me let me try to keep figuring out what's wrong. So I ended up going to an ear, nose, and throat doctor. And uh, they were like, okay, yeah, you do have vocal cord dysfunction. And, like, we can do a lot of stuff for this. Like, the, what happens is acid from your stomach. I think it's kind of acid in general. Irritates your vocal cords. And they get inflamed and they start to spasm when you exercise. And that's what causes the coughing. Um, and I think, like, for me, it kind of, like, takes my immune system down a little bit. So I would start doing that. And then 
I, you know, just from breathing in and my vocal cords being inflamed and kind of raw, I would always get sick. So I'd be sick for like two weeks or a week after like every race. So if it was like a back-to-back race, like the second race was always really bad. And so I started taking this stuff and like really learning a lot about it. And it is just so many different variables that contribute to it. Like different positions I sleep in or, you know, my diet, um, like how anxious I am before a race, how in shape I am, like being able to, the, the more fit I am, like the better my body will handle lactic acid and stuff like that. And I think that has a lot to do with, um, with like the irritation of the vocal cords and stuff. So it's gotten way, way better. Like I don't really even take any medicine anymore, but it's still really bad. Like 2014 was really bad. I was kind of like after Fort William, I was like, man, like I don't even know why I came back. <laughs> this is terrible. Like I, this is so bad. Like I wish I wouldn't have started racing again, but, um, you know, and, and then like the weather too, like Australia wasn't bad at all because it was so humid. But, like, I'm sure Fort William will be rough. And, like, Sea Otter, I, Sea Otter is really rough. Um, but, yeah, so, like, it was kind of like a mis, got misdiagnosed. Um, and now it's really, like, okay, it's not, it's bearable and it's tolerable. But it's just something I'll have to deal with um, if I'm going to race. So I kind of have to be, like, okay, either... I'm not going to race and you know, this will never, I'll never feel this because if I don't get my heart rate up in a certain way, it never happens. I'm like, I'm lucky enough to not have it happen when I'm just, you know, walking down the street or whatever. Um, or, you know, I race and I have to deal with this, but it's, it's just part of it, I guess. And I guess if you know what the factors that can help you mitigate it, at least you'll know that, it's you've done everything you can to yeah 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 i think like the the biggest thing is just being in better shape um helps it so much i think just because your body's not like dying you know um and is able to handle things so like yeah if, if it gets really bad you know like before Fort William, like i'll probably like take some type of antacids or something and like try to make sure i don't eat any chocolate or coffee or any acidic foods and stuff like that just to try to mitigate as much as I can are those kind of the just the general diet changes you've made or is that something kind of specific to a race when you uh, when you like you know you need to make sure that you're not going to have that response yeah I now like I can kind of my diet doesn't have to be super strict. I don't really eat any acidic things in general, but I'll try to keep a, like a really close eye on it. If I'm, um, if I'm like about to, if I'm about to do a race like Fort William, cause I think like, it's kind of, it's just like acid reflux, I guess. Right. So anything that would help that would help, help me. Interesting. Uh, aside from that, in terms of, of fitness, like what's, what's kind of like, the off season look like for you? What does the in season look like for you? Like what, you know, what are you doing to, to get in, in shape for the season? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't really talk about it cause it's all secret and stuff. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so it, it always changes. I guess that there's general themes. Um, the stuff that we do 
specifically changes, but for me, I always take, you know, maybe a month or so off and, um, after, after the season and kind of just chill out and, you know, hang out. It's kind of like the month of living the dream, I think for (laughs) everyone, like (laughs) doing whatever you want. Like you're not going to work, like anything, you're just living the dream for that month. And then it's, uh, and then it's a lot of base stuff. So I, I don't, ride trail bikes at all because i really don't really like trail bikes (laughs) (laughs) so i i ride my road bike a lot it's a lot of like road biking for maybe a month two months i guess like october november i just put in like a lot of miles and um try to do my base stuff and just if i want to ride ride like some motocross then and um ride some downhill and kind of just like kind of unstructured um and then December, January, my trainer lives in Santa Barbara. So this year I kind of spent more time up here. I used to do like a week here, a week at home. But now I kind of just stay up here for like two or three weeks at a time. Um, and we'll get like a program and we'll do like six days a week. And it'll just be like, you know, maybe two things a day um, or we'll either ride road bikes, you know, they on the watt bike trainer in the gym, maybe twice. We'll do like watt bike, maybe three times a week. Um, like two times on the road bike, a couple times on downhill bike and then a couple times in the gym. Um, and then I go to New Zealand since it's really bad for downhill near me. Um, I go to New Zealand, February, March, and that's kind of like would be more in season training, but but just with the volume increased. So that's like a lot of downhill. I ride downhill like three times a week there, and then like still do the gym and um, road bike stuff as well. And then the in season, uh, everything's like a lot lower volume. Like if I was going to do like eight sprints, I would just do like three or four or something like that um, in season because you're just trying to maintain more so and um so it's kind of the amount of work you put in the off season like dictates like how fit you're going to be because you can't really be like okay like here we go i'm gonna do this like (laughs) huge ride now like let me let me crunch you know like um, and try to get some extra fitness it doesn't really work that way so you're kind of just stuck with what you're what you're doing and then like when you get a break like this it's really good because you can ramp it back up and then kind of taper off once you get like a you know a week or two outside of Fort William. Um, I just wanted to go back to something you you just said uh, quickly. You said that the the biking down in SoCal is is uh, pretty bad. I didn't I didn't realize that. I, I thought that there was like uh, I mean they have like the Fontana series, um, but yeah, is there not just like not a lot of uh, downhill down there? Man, like. I guess I'm I'm kind of in no man's land in between, but even still, like you have like Elsnore and there's track called Crestline, and then Aaron rides Idlewild a lot. But I still think it's like compared to a World Cup track, it's so much different, like so much different. And I think that's one of the reasons why like I'm good at the things I'm good at um, is because it is like fast here and there are a lot of jump trails and stuff like that but i 
have no idea how Aaron got as good as he did riding. <laughs> like, it's so impressive. Like, the better I get, the more I'm like, how did you do that? I remember Loic was here um, this year, and he was like, man, like, what do you guys ride? Like, there's no <laughs> downhill here. Um, but, it, I mean, you can ride all year round, which is great. But for me, I have to go somewhere else. Like, I, I kind of do my fitness when I'm at home and then do my downhill somewhere else. Now, is uh, is kind of all the downhill riding you're doing now essentially training? I mean, this in the sense that, for instance, you're, you're talking about, uh, you know, in November, December, you'll kind of start ramping up your uh, your workouts and ride some moto and ride a little downhill. But even mm-hmm. is that, can you like ride downhill for pleasure now or <laughs> every time do you go? <laughs> yeah, like, do you like race runs and yeah. time? Well, I, I think like for me, I, for some reason I'm not in like the scene. I'm not in like the downhill scene for some reason. <laughs> I guess like because I'd have to drive down to San Diego and ride with like Luca Cometti or um, or Aaron or something. And for me, it's like a two hour drive, two and a half hour drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have like a few trails near me um, and I'll just go and like ride by myself most of the time. Like my mom would shuttle me. And, and so for me, most of the time it's just like training, I guess. Um, when I'm at home for sure, like all the downhill, I kind of have to, cause it's not like the trails aren't good. Like I don't have anyone to ride with. So like every time I go out there, I'm like working on something, I guess. Like if I'm, um, if it's earlier in the off season, like I'm not like doing like gnarly runs. Um, but I am like concentrating on stuff or whatever. And then once I go, once I go to New Zealand, there's so many people there in Queenstown. Like, you know, I stay with Bernard and like this year, Connor and Connor Farron and Bassman Steenbergen came and stayed with us and Eddie's there and so many people are there. So you can kind of have fun and do jump trail laps and stuff like that. Um, in addition to like doing, doing your race runs and and times and stuff. That's awesome. That's gotta be like a, a good feeling. I mean, I, I, I guess I just didn't know if, it's it's possible to just go out and ride for the pleasure of riding. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's funny because everyone is so different. Like for me, I, I I really enjoy like when I'm in New Zealand, I'm um I do do a lot of like really like race runs and like hard runs and stuff like that, especially like before I leave. Um I have like a schedule where I'll do like, you know, race runs this day, like sections this day and then like you know, just ride kind of for fun and do skills and whatever another day. Mm. Um, but like Bernard would like, he'll do some full runs every now and then, but it's not as, it's definitely not like timed or anything. That bastard. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I know. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And like everyone, and like you see Loic there and he's just like testing the whole time. And then you see like Brendan there and he's just like, he's just riding and then you see like Eddie there and they're just kind of riding and like doing like everyone has kind of like going back to what we were talking about, like knowing like what you need to do, you know, because me trying to do what Bernard does isn't going to work and like, and vice versa. And like somebody like Josh trying to do what Aaron does and Aaron trying to do what Josh does would never work, but they're both like amazing riders and, you know, top, 
top in the world. Like, All right, this is going great, um, but we're going to take this into a second part. So you can find that on the same feed in iTunes. It should be up within about half an hour.